Welcome to the Food Junkies podcast. Here, we aim to provide you with the experience, strength, and hope of professionals actively working on the front lines in the field of food addiction. The purpose of our show is to educate you, the listener, and increase overall awareness about food addiction as a disease with abstinence as the solution. Here, we talk about all things recovery. Most importantly, how to thrive rather than just survive. So stay positive, make a change for yourself, tell others about your change, and hopefully the message will spread. On today's episode, Vera, Molly, and I discuss our favorite takeaways from each guest we've had on the show so far, kind of like a cheat sheet, so you can go back and listen if you've missed an episode. We're also talking about the exciting guests we have coming up and a really amazing announcement about what we're working on for the fall. We've officially reached over 30,000 downloads, and we want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. We are so overwhelmed by the response and grateful for your listening support. You are our community, and we recover together with you one meal at a time. Thank you for being a part of our family. Thank you for your recovery passion. Thank you for your trust and support. Thank you for your feedback. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is the Food Junkies Roundup, and all three of us are here today, and we're going to talk about the past clients, our future clients, or future guests, and who we hope to have on the show. And today, we're going to start with episode one and some of the takeaways that Dr. Tarman got from David Wiss. Yeah. So, okay. So first takeaway, well, I want to say that David Wiss was a great person to start our series because he provided the must-read review of all the pertinent scientific literature on food addiction. And he did it wonderfully. Like, if you want science, this is science. This is in a peer-reviewed journal. This is not like internet searching. This is the real deal. And not only that, but David Wiss is a dietitian and he's a food addiction dietitian, which is a unique breed. So the, it's a must listen to just because of those two reasons. Great way to start our show. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed that episode with him. I did find it interesting that when we talked to him, he remember we had spoken to him about whether food addicts, uh, sugar addicts can reintroduce some of those foods later on and uh, whether it was refined sugars. And he kind of hinted that that might be okay. So it'll be interesting because we have him coming back to ask him again about that question. That's right. Because what do we think? No. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. So episode two was Marty. Behind the scenes, this talk. Yeah. So Molly, tell us a little bit about your takeaway from Marty Lerner. Yeah, I I loved Marty's episode. I loved it even more going back and listening to it again and just being reminded, you know, he really talks about, he talked about this term he called bulimia rexia. Wow, I can't even say it. It's a tongue twister where he talked about, you know, that we have all of these eating disorders going on and you can't, the main takeaway from that, hearing him say that was that you can't judge a book by the cover. You can't look at a person and tell how sick they are because this disease does not have a specific, you know, type. He talked about men and how they have their own kind of special flavor to this, where it comes out in the exercise and the steroids. 
And he talked about the problems in the addiction world where we get so dichotomous, we get so black and white and we say like, this is the only way to do it. And we forget that there's a whole spectrum out there of people where they fall on this spectrum. And so different things work for different people. And we need to be really careful about that. You know, and he even mentioned following up on the conversation with David Wiss, he even talked about we food addicts may be able to add some foods back in its high risk. He said, you know, he warned several times it's high risk, but we don't know. We don't know until, you know, we're willing to um, give that a chance with support to kind of tease out what things can be added back and what things actually have, you know, must remain removed. And then I think the biggest takeaway was that he talked about when we work with other addicts, right? It's a whole different ego structure than when we work with food addiction. And we're so accustomed to AA, NA, um, SA, GA, all those other A's really attacking people's egos to break them down and to cut through that denial. And his big thing was with food addicts, we don't have that same thing. We are so full of shame, 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 that we need to come at it with more support and more structure, but less restriction. And we need to address the traumas and the shame and that kind of thing, because we don't have that same you know, like hang up, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, that other addictions have. So, you know, I think that was my biggest takeaway from Marty's episode was just this, let's stop shaming everybody. Let's, let's meet them where they are. Let's believe them when they tell us the things that they tell us and let's keep an open mind. With his perspective, I think is really important because he comes from an eating disorder and food addiction background. And so he has to juggle both of those camps, which can be overlaps and clashes. I thought he did a pretty good job. So if somebody isn't sure where they sit, have a listen to his episode. Agreed. Yeah, that was a great episode. And then next we had Sarah Kleiner, who is carnivore yogi. And I think Molly is going to do the roundup on her. Yeah, I think I specifically really loved how Sarah really, I don't know that she's ever like listened to Bitten. I mean, she has now at this point, but at the time, I don't know that she even knew who Bitten was, but she really spoke a lot about addiction interaction disorder. She wasn't calling it that. We gave it that term, certainly, but she, you know, that was what she said is like, this addiction comes from one place. They're not all separate. And you medical doctors and other professionals out there need to understand addiction because intuitive eating experts or eating disorder experts do not take into account often that addiction piece, which then later on speaking with Molly Carmel, which we'll talk about later, obviously she clarifies for us, right. Or she even later in her own interviews and her own podcast spoke to the author of the intuitive eating book. And that person said, no, we don't, consider addiction. So I would say that was definitely a big takeaway with Sarah was just that reminder of like, it's just not for us, you know, and, and she wants people to know this has to go beyond the food. (laughs) This has to go beyond the food. It's more than just a food plant. And Marty had even said that in his interview, you know, so it was just kind of nice to like have these echoing um, themes for sure. And I would say, you know, the, my final big takeaway from Sarah's interview was this reminder that There's a lot of dogma in these different diets and people are often potentially using diets as just another way to avoid true addiction. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, I think that was one of my favorite takeaways from from that interview. What about you, Clarissa? Yeah, I really like that. She said that, you know, she'd been doing really strict carnivore for a while, but she was looking at bringing back in some things to her food plan, too. And she had that flexibility. And she said, you know, obviously, with her experience, she was on that late stage food addict scale and carnivore was what worked for her. But that that doesn't mean it works for everyone. And so I I think it's so nice when we have people in the space that can recognize, yeah, you take care of the food, but then she does so much recovery work on top of that, which I think is so key to mention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was definitely bringing back the food was not the sugar. It was still the food addiction platform, just not a strict keto, right? Right, right. Yeah. Just bringing back in maybe some vegetables or yes. some yeah. olives and stuff like that, not refined sugars or anything like yeah. that, still abstinent. Yeah. And then next up, we had our very good friend, Bitten Janssen, and I'm going to speak about her. One of the favorite things that I took away from her interview was, did I really willingly choose this or did addiction take me? Like that, I think, is so true for all of us. And again, it speaks to that shame and blame that we play, right? You didn't cause it. So don't own it, but here we go. And we can start every single day. The other thing that I really love that she talked about in the interview is to, with volatile blood sugar, be bold enough to say, it's okay to maybe start eating four to six times a day, as long as we're eating appropriate abstinent foods. And to make sure, like she experienced in all of her, I think 20 years, we're never eating enough when we start at each meal and to go in high with the amount of food we're going to consume. So we take care of that physical hunger piece, because I think it's so easy for us. Okay, here we go. I'm going to start keto today. And this is how many carbs I'm going to do. And often we fall off the wagon, right? We can't maintain it because we're actually physically hungry. And so I thought it was just so important that she said, you can have a less restrictive food plan to start, start low carb, then maybe move like low carb, higher fat, and then move to keto. You know, there's that transition that can take place and it's going to help keep you safe. And in the long run, that consistency is going to help you be successful. So that I really appreciated that about her. Yeah, I agree so much. And I think my, I think my favorite thing from, from that interview is basically when she was like, grow up, grow yeah. up guys. If you don't believe in food addiction, sugar addiction, whatever, at this point with all the research that's out there and you think everybody still needs to eat in moderation or intuitively eat or eat these highly processed things, grow up. And I just, I'm going to take that with me and I'm going to keep repeating that everywhere I go because she nailed it. This is this stop shaming us period. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then the next episode we had Maria Emmerich and Molly's going to do the roundup for that. Yeah. I think Maria's interview was so um, interesting because she obviously does not identify as a food addict herself, but working in the field that she does, she does end up working with people who identify as having food addiction. You know, she kind of categorizes herself as an abstainer versus a moderator. And kind of the ways that she gets through that with clients and with herself is she likes to focus on what can I have instead of always thinking about what can't I have and take away, take away, take away, but what can I have and what can we add in? I also appreciate that she took us through how to detox off of caffeine, (laughs) gave us the step-by-step thing to, you know, just steps to take because later than in February, we did that journey. You both quit coffee, didn't you? 
Yes, yes. So I think Clarissa has since gone back, but um, I'm back I'm remaining, on the wagon. <laughs> I'm remaining caffeine free for now. We'll see how that goes. But I, I did appreciate that. And I appreciated um, her reasoning behind it and how she spoke to it increasing blood sugar by 8%. And it increases androgens in the body. And for somebody with PCOS, like herself and myself, that's not something we want to be doing. So just from even a health perspective, I also, her big message, I think a lot too, was the support, 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 you know, cause we asked her about emotional eating and we asked her about like, how do you help people specifically with food addiction? And she was just like, at the end of the day, it comes down to that support, very specific support. And she encourages her clients to go to OA and find those people that can support them in their decisions so that the food pushing isn't so loud and prevalent in their life. And she also, you know, I think really spoke a lot to like diet culture and how diet culture often tells us it should be easy and it should be fast. And if it isn't, then you're on the wrong path. And this is more about relationship to self and to that food and, and that kind of thing. And, and to really kind of poo poo diet culture as well. So those were kind of my main takeaways from that episode. Yeah, no. And I liked how she said, you know, we don't always endorse the sweetener piece, but she said, if you have two choices, if you know you're going somewhere and there's only going to be a regular cheesecake, or you have an option to have a keto cheesecake, it's kind of that harm reduction piece, right? Not ideal for an abstinent food addict, but maybe these are the transitioning pieces we need to get where we aim to go. Yeah. Her message is very similar to ours. We definitely support the uh, support piece. Yeah. 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 We're all over that. And then next up, we had Dr. Ken Berry, and Vera is going to talk about the takeaways. Okay, so Ken Berry, he identified himself as the fat, miserable, ignorant doctor turned renegade, family doctor who uh, really put, uh, preaches food addiction to treat his patients with metabolic syndrome and diabetes. And the thing that I mostly remember, because, that, you know, I think we're, we agree with that. And, uh, you know, certainly we're all fat and miserable and ignorant and no longer are. But uh, the thing that I, that I particularly found interesting was he, he's, you know, he's keto and he was the one that said bacon and meat, it's all fine no problems. You know, we've been eating it for all these years and, you know, no problems. So all this worry about eating too much bacon and meat is going to kill us. It's not going to. And then we got into a whole bowel thing about how that even, it even helped us on that level. Anyway, the thing that I remember there is that every time I eat a piece of bacon, I do worry sort of somewhere in there is this a little too saturated, too many nitrates. And he works with a lot of people and it hasn't turned out to be a problem. So it was a bit reassuring. Certainly uh, something that I would want to investigate for further, but reassuring anyway. And being a physician, when I hear of another person that is somewhere out there in the world preaching the same thing, it's just another person that is in our camp. And we were really happy to hear him. And also, one of the things that he really stressed is that keto is sustainable. You know, a lot of people are worried that you can't just eat that stuff. Eventually, you have to start bringing in the other stuff. And he said he's had people with for years uh, doing well. And we know that too, but it's nice to hear somebody else say that. Yeah, I appreciated his passion and how he really kind of frames it up as the proper human diet. And I think that's why he's so convinced that it is sustainable because mm. really when people, you know, right, they're not asking people to not eat vegetables or not eat, you know, like the other things. It's just, it's the proper human diet. He's just asking people not to eat donuts and coffee cake and, you know, that kind of thing, right? He's just saying, add more of these other things and cut out the, the junk. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I don't know why it couldn't be sustainable when you look at it from those terms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Eat real food, right? <laughs> 
Then the next episode we had was Jonathan Cranford, and I'm going to do the review of that. And so a lot of my takeaways, A, I just love that he's an athlete and that he can fuel in a sugar-free way and it's maintainable. And he's in the CrossFit world and, you know, he had the experience of like the diet drama and trauma as we hear with, you know, bro science and the epic cheat days. And it was just so relatable, I think, for so many of us who have been in that space. And then I loved when he said, why do most people fail at the diet? It shouldn't be this hard. We Uh, have the information. We know what to do, but we can't do it because we're treating the wrong thing. We need to be treating addiction. And that for me, I was like, oh, I really like that. It's that underlying addiction that keeps getting missed because you know what? Very few of us want to overeat. We certainly don't want to overeat for 10 or 20 years. We don't want chronic disease, right? We don't want obesity. The diet industry evolved to show us that we don't want this. And yet we can't stop. You know, two thirds of the world is overweight or obese. This to me Our addict brain works to undermine our best intentions every single time. And I just, I really enjoyed that part of the interview for sure. Yeah. I found him to be one of the most genuine human beings I've ever met. He truly, truly, truly has a heart of gold in that he wants to help people based on his experience. He's written his book and the workbook to go along with it. And obviously you have to pay for those tools, but he has a free Facebook group and Basically, he said to us, you know, if you have a question, just ask. I'm happy to help. You know, he just, he would rather people get the help than to continue to suffer. And he has a heart of gold. And I will always appreciate that about him. And the most adorable rescue dogs, too. That too. Um, the next episode was Belinda Fetke, and I'm going to do the review of that. I have followed Belinda for years on LinkedIn. She's the health disruptor, and she's really the one that I've always been someone that likes that expose factor, right? About this is what it says, but this is the truth behind it. And one of my favorite things from that interview, she said, is the health food aisles are in the inside of the grocery store because they're full of processed foods. Mm. So are these health foods? Should we not be shopping on the outside of the grocery store? And a quote I took from her was, never give up giving up sugar. Because it's just, you can always proceed, right? Whatever you've done, you can do it again. And your next meal can be the next time to try. I also like that she said to consider the whole animal. I have not started eating more organ meats because of it. But, you know, I know they're very nutrient dense and I wouldn't turn it down if somebody knew how to properly cook it. And maybe it is something I should think a little bit further about exploring. And then I just really like that basically her MO is question everything, dig deeper, go further into the article, who funded this research, don't just check it out by the headline and take it as science, and then watch out for ILSI, that International Life Sciences Institute, which is, you know, predominantly funded by a lot of the processed big food out there. All I can say to it is I love fried liver and onions. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. There are a lot of people who do. There are a lot of people who do, and there's nothing wrong with that for sure. But I think, I think with Belinda, I, I truly appreciated that, like the way that this even started for her was because of what was going on for Gary. And then the way she laid out, right. Because she had to do all of her own research to defend him through this really long process, several years, three years or something like that, right. Behind closed doors kind of deal. It didn't get the press like Tim Noakes did and just laying out that like she went all the way back with the seventh day Adventist and then like how that's kind of evolved and and how we even got to be in the position that we are with big food which I definitely appreciate because I think I think we just assume it just was right but like it had to start somewhere and then to have that understanding it it frames it up in a whole different way and I just loved her advocate spirit if there's something amiss out there and people are getting sick from it, she won't stand for it. She will do the research and, you know, and she even kind of started to turn us on to some of this non-nutritive sweetener stuff where then yep. we started asking this question more, right? Because she started calling out things like stevia, which basically been considered gen- right? Like the grass or whatever, like generally yeah. re- regarded as safe, regarded as yeah. safe. Yeah. Right. And so now we've started asking and questioning about that. And so I appreciate her kind of sparking that for us too. Yeah, absolutely. And then next up, we had the hilarious and very informative Vinny Tortoric and let the audience know that we edited it out about 40 minutes of that <laughs> episode. Not because it was not all appropriate, but it was definitely spicy to say the least. He is such a great storyteller and Molly's going to talk about her takeaways today. He is. And and I re-listening to that episode too, I realized you know, there are references we make in there that we we edited out. So if you were confused about some of those references, that's why, because they're, I mean, we had almost two hours with Vinny. He is a teacher. He is a instructor. I mean, he's just, he just lives. He walks the talk or talks the walk, whatever, right? He, he embodies what he puts out there. And I think my big takeaway is where he kind of was able to recapture for us too, right? How big religion, big medicine, big pharma, big tobacco, big food, media, government, how they all got involved with our food and not because they all like got together in a room and some conspiracy theory thing, right? But just that the way that it all worked out, they all kind of had a similar outcome desire. And, you know, there was complicity and, you know, things done in the name of getting people food. And that's just where we are today. You know, he talked to us about the non-nutritive sweeteners and and basically labeled them as carcinogens. He has a very colorful story. If you've missed that episode, feel free to go back and listen. It's, it's pretty funny. And he specifically spoke to Stevia speaking of, right. And talked about like, if you want to go to the country where it's actually like grown and extract the oil yourself, go ahead. But what you should know is that that oil cannot actually be sold in the U S. And so what you are getting is not actually Stevia whatsoever his take on or how he works with clients is he's all about having honesty, but not shaming. Again, here's a man that after our own hearts, he is opposed to shaming clients into any sort of anything, you know, and he reminded us, here's the deal. Here's another reason why it's so hard. Folks who are listening, food is often like religion and politics in one. It becomes very sacred to people. And that's why sometimes it's very hard to get out of these cycles when we have family members that are like, why won't you eat my whatever? Or, you know, there's a a tradition or a holiday or something coming up and we are going to have him back. We've asked him to come back to address exercise and steroids and binging and restricting and food addiction in men and in athletes specifically, you know, and my absolute favorite takeaway from him is he says he doesn't do this for the money. This is not 
his business, right? Like he, he has companies and that's his main source of income. He does this because it's not for the money, but if he saves one life, if one life is saved from listening to that episode or to hearing any of his podcast episodes, right? That's worth it to him. And I just, I appreciate that so much. It was really great because then he invited us on his podcast. And I think both of us can speak that we have had people reach out to us from his audience to work with us and because they just weren't aware of food addiction. So the fact that he is willing to talk about it in like his space as well and help spread the message, I just think, and I tell all my clients, if you are thinking about using sweeteners, go listen to that part of the episode and then come back and tell me if you still want to use those sweeteners nurse. <laughs> yes. yes. So, so next up, we had Dr. Jen Unwin and Vera is going to talk about that. Okay. I must say I did not go and listen, re-listen to all the episodes. So I don't remember what her tool was called. I, I'm assuming one of you will. But it's Grin. Grin. Yes. Okay. Thank you. What I really um, got from Jen's um, talk. So Jen is a psychologist in the UK, has worked with her husband you know, the awareness of sugar addiction and how to treat people. And the thing that I heard uniquely from her voice was that um, she wanted to start from the uh, strengths that people had and build on those rather than, you know, have a therapy session where it's all about where I failed and how can I fix it more? Where have I done well and how can I improve on that? And uh, that was a such a refreshing approach for me as a clinician to enter into an encounter that way. And I really like the fact that she has a tool that's called Grin, and I'm going to let one of you uh, elaborate on that tool. But that's that's a great takeaway. Yeah. So Jen is all about hope and she's a solution focus based brief therapy, um, which is SFBT therapist. So Grin stands for goals, resources, increments, and basically takeaways. But essentially, it just takes you through a very positive conversation, not in like a toxic, positive psychology kind of way, but in a positive way, as far as instead of getting so focused on what didn't go right, and you know, the things that we can't change, because they're already done, it helps us to think about what's gone better, or what is going better. And can we build on that? So again, almost like that, you know, the abundance perspective of Can we just grow what's going well? Can we grow what's working for us and crowd out the things that are not? But yeah, I think that's my biggest takeaway with Jen is noticing. 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 There we go. There you go. Noticing. (laughs) So yes, the takeaways. Yes, exactly. The the noticing. What did you notice that's different or or um yeah. So I think hope. Overall, her message is hope. She's since released her book, Fork in the Road. She has been starting to interview people and she's now on Clubhouse giving these weekly talks as well. So, I mean, her influence in the food addiction world is just growing leaps and bounds too. And I think she's a great resource for anybody, especially in the UK or some of those European countries where I know the resources that we have in the US are often too late in the day for them. So I just want to give that shout out there too for folks. Yeah. And I think there couldn't be a better way to work with people in the addiction space than doing that solution focused. It's just such a positive way at a time when you like hope is, hope feels gone. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the next episode we had was Ben Azadi, and I'm going to do the review of that. So what I liked about him uh, when we talked about some of the non-nutritive sweeteners, he talked about aspartame and sucralose and the gut dysbiosis and how that can lead to cravings. I also liked how he said L-glutamine can help you wean because I'm like, I love rhymes. 
<laughs> he talked a lot about, you know, we always focus on the exercise when it comes to food and weight, but what about the inner size? So what are we doing for ourselves every single day? And I love that he lives it to lead it. And another important clarification for me was the fat adaption piece and that, you know, this is not something that's going to happen overnight for people. This could be eight to 12 weeks, could be even longer. It really depends from where you have come from metabolically, also like the way you're eating, but that if you are in ketosis, then it really can help with the physical cravings. What I really love, though, is when you talked about, you know, him and his addiction recovery and how for him it was important to get really clear on his purpose and align his day to day schedule to live on purpose with his purpose and that every day you do something to move closer to your goals. So you're progressing and that's how you become the victor, not the victim. I just love all his like rhymy tools. Like I think they're so helpful and they're catchy. And so when you have those kind of things, they can come to mind when you're in the struggle. Yeah, he's definitely a person who lives what he's, right? He's another person that buys what he sells. And he's a great speaker. He's very charismatic. And he has the education, the research, the lived experiences, all of it to back it up. And he was even vulnerable and admitted like, I didn't lose all my weight, right? Like I didn't get metabolically healthy by eating in a keto flexible kind of way. He does that now he's healthier now or whatever, but he definitely was vulnerable about that and said, yeah. And and I would never tell anybody to do what I did because it wasn't good. You know, so I appreciate that too, that he spoke to that. He's another person in this health space that his book was like, I think $16, not, not expensive. He has keto camp. He runs free groups all the time, two podcasts a week. He's just, and he wants, what's his goal to help 1 billion people Mm -hmm. get metabolically well. And he just, he, yeah, he's on his Instagram cheering people on all day long. And I just, I love people in this space that are doing that instead of that whole like punitive approach is like, what did you eat? That was wrong. Right. I love that he then had Vera on and I loved that interview. You guys, I was like almost in tears. It was so good. I thought the conversation was so good. And the fact that he, he truly believes that this is a very real thing. And it's very, you can tell that he has passion about it. It's not his passion in that that's who he works with specifically uh, or primarily, but that he wants people to get help. And so um, if you guys haven't listened to that with Ben Azadi and Vera through the Keto Camp um, YouTube, please go do that as well, because I thought that was a really great conversation as well. Yeah, for sure. And the next episode was Tony Vassallo, and I'm going to do the wrap up of that. We just had the best time with Tony. He's so easy to talk to and he's just so just eat real food. Like it seems so again, easy to do, but it's almost the easiest place for somebody to start. He is somebody that has grains in his food plan and he is very plant forward in a lot of the food that he cooks with. And I love to see someone in our space doing that because there's not just one way to recover. We all have different food plans. He talks a lot about the importance of batch cooking, which, you know, me and Molly 
constantly are telling our clients, this is going to make your life easier. But again, it's that need to prioritize these things. And what it's not that you're prioritizing the cooking, you're prioritizing your recovery when you do these things and not leaving yourself without the tools you need. Your food, your abstinent food is a tool for your recovery. Um, and he just, you know, reinforced the idea, find a way to enjoy the process. What is that cook as a family, bring the kids in the kitchen, put on some music, you know, this is a great way for us to connect. Don't be grabbing your whatever food out of the microwave, going sit down in front of the TV and numbing out like this is a time when we should be sitting together at the table. And it's a, it's a key thing cooking we've lost over the generations and how it's so important to empower your kids with this knowledge so that they can, you know, be quote unquote healthy in the future. If I can just add the other thing uh, that Tony brings to our uh, podcast is a real focus on um, the, the uniqueness of working with male food addicts and also with family. But I mean, his, he has an expertise in working with men. And just like uh, one of our previous speakers did, uh, he says, you know, there's a bit of a difference and it's, it's, it's nice to be able to work with that different dynamic. Their foods are different than mine. Like I like the sugary, sloppy stuff and they like the, uh, you know, the burgers and the fries and the barbecue chicken wings. I, I just went straight to dessert table, but not them. Yeah, that's definitely, if you are a man, it's a great episode to check out. And he has yeah. Moda for Men website now. And it's, he really, you know, if you're looking for that bro connection, it's the right place to go. Yeah. And then next up, we had the Michael Moss. And uh, it was so great to interview him. He's kind of a legend to us. And Vera will speak about that. Yeah, he was, he's been a hero of mine uh, for, right from the, his first book, which was uh, Salt, Sugar, Fat. And I mean, I love that book because it was readable. You can get stuff on Amazon that talks about the food industry, but it's it's you got it's food science in, that I don't get. He writes in a way that's, you know, the the real juice of it, the real good part of it. So that was a really good book. And I see this as a really good follow-up. This podcast was really speaking to him about his latest book called Hook, Food, Free Will, and How the Food Giants Exploit Our Addictions. I mean, that's that's our podcast. <laughs> and uh, I, I think Michael Moss is not quite willing to go as far as to, to say food addiction. I mean, I think we got him as far as he's willing to go, uh, talking about food addiction as an addiction and uh, as a clinical syndrome. The book is actually pretty out there. It's definitely worth reading. And uh, if you want to get a flavor of what the book is like, have a listen to the podcast because it was really to talk about that. Yeah, no, I was actually, uh, I feel like he got a little bit vulnerable, but he definitely mm -hmm. writes more aggressively than he yes. talks. Yeah. I would say he's safer on air. So that was definitely, it was a great conversation though. I, I love to chat with him about that. And, and specifically the highlight for me was just how the food industry has now purchased the diet industry. Yeah. That I just... Uh, I said, jumping through the screen. Like, how can you not see how corrupt this is? But yeah, if, if we can all recognize that, again, it's that addiction piece. We still can't stop, right? 
And so the next interview we had was Nicole Avina, and I'm going to do the wrap up on that. So the things I love about Nicole is a everything because she's been doing this forever. And we, I love that she speaks in the mainstream media about sugar addiction and she is just a force. Her answer to our signature question, of course, was like, what would you tell a younger version of yourself? Oh, that'll be researching this for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's pretty shocking. Um, What I loved is that she spoke to the hedonic eating and how we have become a society that doesn't eat for calories or fuel, but only for the pleasure. And it makes us unable to recognize our hunger cues because of it. The other piece I really liked was that the psychology of the portion on our plate and that no matter what is on our plate, we will think that we should eat it, even if it's a food we don't like. It just because of portion side, even if it's healthy that and it's in front of you, you'll eat more than you want. She also talked about triggers, not just being sadness, pain, anger, but reward and using food as soothing and rewarding. And I think we find that with a lot of our clients and that food should not be our psychologist, right? Food is energy only. Uh, she Again, she spoke about sweeteners and called them the methadone of sugar, which I loved And that, you know, it still activates our brain reward system. And that sweet taste is actually what drives the release of the neurochemicals in our brain that make us addicted. It's not just the substance. So, yeah, I love that interview. If I can just add the uh, other piece that I think is really important is uh, how important it is that we speak to the moms and and, uh, change what we feed our kids. I mean, that's her latest books are that, you know, how moms should eat when they're pregnant, even before they get pregnant, they just want to get pregnant. And then once they have kids, what they should feed their kids. I mean, this is vital information and she gets the food addiction piece. So, yeah. Yeah. Her books are definitely great resources for parents. Absolutely. Yes. And then next up we had Zippy and Vera is going to talk about that conversation. Uh, okay. So Zippy Libna, she's our Israeli contact. And uh, she is a food addiction counselor in Israel. Basically, it's interesting to listen to that podcast just to hear how she uh, went from nothing in Israel uh, in terms of food addiction to now I think she's the go-to person. What I really found interesting about her talk was how to live a sugar-free life in an environment where food is, you know, on a religious level. So you can't just say, I can't eat this stuff. Like, I guess some of the dynamics of the religious and uh, our food and, and the clash and how she manages it. I just found that interesting. Yeah, I agree. And, and in speaking with her, not just during that interview, but just being a colleague through the Food Addiction Institute, she's part of the Food Addiction Professional Network and just hearing from her, it's interesting because a lot of the foods in Israel have to be kosher, right? Because of the religion and the traditions and all of that kind of stuff. But we have to remember just like with, just because something is labeled healthy does not mean that it's actually healthy. And just because something is labeled kosher does not mean that it's necessarily for you if you have food addiction. And she is the person that if you come from a traditional Jewish culture and you are practicing, and those are things that you struggle with, we can connect you with her. She does, you know, she, she speaks English as, as her first language, in fact. Um, and so we can, you know, we can connect you with, with her and she can walk you through like fasting traditions and, you know, um, different 
like matzah and stuff like that she talks about. <laughs> so for sure, please be sure to know that we can connect you with her if that's something that you need help with. Yeah, I just love that we get to speak to, you know, these food addiction professionals from all over the world and individuals just to have their own recovery story. And one of those individuals was Sarah Summers. And Fiera is going to talk a little bit about that interview. Okay, well, Sarah Summers, uh, what what I the takeaway I have there is she wrote a book called Saving Sarah. And uh, I mean, she's she's a great writer. And it's if you can, you want to hear food addiction from a very well-written perspective. I mean, it's, it's the book to read. Like it's, it's a really, I don't know what else to say other than it's great prose to show how a food addict can live and then recovery. And she's very open about her 12 step recovery. And if you're interested in how that might work, that's the book to read as well. Yeah, for sure. I also loved her, her story, how she said at the restaurant, you know, she will bring her scale and she'll whip it out and said, like, you have one minute to ask me anything (laughs) you want. And then it's time for me and my food. (laughs) I just feel like it's so important for all of us to kind of get those sayings we're comfortable with to that be able to make sure that we're able to eat our abstinent food wherever we go. And then last but not least, we had Annika and Molly's going to talk about that. Sure. So my biggest takeaways from Annika was, you know, take care of you first, do the best you can add in these things, right? Add in the proteins, add in the fats, then cut back the sweets kind of deal, right? So that's kind of been her, that was her advice to us when we talked about not only for our own journeys, but those of us who are parents who have children in the home, you know, she talked about making it fun and teaching them like how to cook or how to make better choices in the shopping or when you're in the home, giving them choices, you know, and not to lose track of the priority, you know, don't start to go into denial about your own illness while you're trying to get your kids like on track, like take care of you first. She, she kind of reiterated that in different um, ways throughout the conversation. And she talked about being present and not, you know, be a recovering imperfectionist. I mean, she didn't say it that way, but basically don't worry about the perfection. Just focus on imperfection. It's okay. Children have their own journey. We have to focus on ours. She's writing a book. Unfortunately, for those of us who don't speak Swedish, it will be in (laughs) Swedish. But um, the hope is that we can get her to talk about it more um, on her YouTube channel. We can have her back. We are colleagues. And so hopefully we can have more of a conversation with her about it. Because if you go back and listen to that episode, she has so many suggestions for parents. And she even says, I could go on and on. I mean, we could talk to her for hours about it, I'm sure. So those were my big takeaways with Annika. What did you think, Clarissa? Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And I always enjoy her too. And I specifically just like speaking to my clients and getting some feedback about the episode, people were just so relieved that, oh, I just have to look after myself first. And and then I can think about my kids later. Like, I think that is, and that imperfection they definitely spoke to as well is that, you know, you just got to keep trying. She talked about, you know, having a slip, right? And that, you know, it, it, she needed some really intense treatment in the first place, but that, you know, after that slip, she's now because of the supports in her, she's surrounded by, she's able to get back on track right away. And that's, that's the beauty of recovery for sure. So we're actually going to do two more guests, which I forgot about. Vera, if you want to talk about Dr. Rob Saivez, and then I'll get Molly to do Molly Carmel. Okay, so um, Robert Saivez uh, was just on the uh, uh, this, this last Friday. 
really interesting thing about him is he's a bariatric surgeon who does bariatric surgery, which means he's doing the surgery for weight loss, but he has a very, very um, definite psychosocial physical model that so it's beyond just the physical which i got to tell you for a surgeon is unheard of uh, he believes in food addiction he's got his own kind of theory about how it works it's not necessarily where i go but i'm just so impressed that he is looking beyond just the physical into the psychological and into into the social um, so when somebody's t- addressing food addiction we got to listen and uh, applaud we got to applaud him for that and it's worth listening just on that level alone yeah, it really is. And he he got a little bit into his treatment model, how he works with patients that come in. And I think my biggest takeaway from that episode was he basically said, nobody needs surgery yes. in place <laughs> of what we're doing. Uh, you know, I mean, he's open, obviously, to to doing surgery with folks, but he literally said nobody needs surgery in place of what we're doing. So. And he said people will l- gain their way back unless they follow his model or something else. Unless they address the food addiction. Yeah. I I also loved how he said, you know, when you're an alcoholic, people say like, don't drink alcohol, but nobody else tells you what you have to drink Mm. every single day. And how that like, this is where diet culture makes abstinent food so challenging and confusing for people. Mm -hmm. All right. So Molly, do you want to speak about Molly Carmel? Yeah, for sure. Yes. So Molly Carmel's episode was, it was neat for so many different reasons, you know, but I think, I think I I loved when she said, it's not that I didn't know it was the sugar. It's just that sugar was the solution that she had in her life. Right. And she wasn't ready. She wasn't ready to give it up until she was, she had this really kind of, um, epiphany type moment. And you'll have to go listen to that episode or read her book to, to hear about that for sure. She is a harm reduction clinician, you know, and she believes that with harm reduction and I am too, you know, abstinence is always the goal with harm reduction, right? Because abstinence would be zero harm, but she also knows that abstinence is not always achievable by everybody. You know, we do have heroin addicts that can never get off the methadone or suboxone or something, right? And the same may be true for food addiction. And she likes, you know, she believes that moderation and intuitive eating does work for some people, but it doesn't work for all people. And that, again, we can't be pushing this on everybody and say, this is the way, because then we're totally negating their experience. We talked to her about that presentation she did with the International Eating Disorder Conference. And it was, you have to go listen to it, you guys, because basically it was, it was a surprise that she got accepted. And then there was pushback and then she kind of pushed back herself and she was able to do the presentation, but it's a really, it was a great kind of like, I don't know when for those of us who do believe in food addiction, because we're like, oh, okay, somebody believed something enough in, in something enough that they let her do this presentation. And this was just in April, 2020. So just a year ago that, so it just feels like maybe we can get some momentum going there. She did address volume and dieting addictions as part of food addiction. And she really went into that, you know, how she works with clients with that or, or how she views that at least, you know, and ultimately what it comes down to is it's relationship with self and relationship with food and that food can no longer be an option. If we continue to allow it to be an option, our skill, our reward, um, our entertainment, then we will never be forced to take corrective action and learn new skills do new things, you know? So I guess those were kind of my major takeaways from that conversation. What did you think, Clarissa? 
Yeah, no, I really, really enjoyed her. She's like, you just pick up on that energy as soon as you're talking to her. And I loved what she said about the diet, drama and trauma. That is her thing. And she's actually working on a book specifically about this. And I am so looking forward to reading it because that's definitely part of my story. And that how when we've been on so many diets for so long, we've lost the ability to trust ourselves in our own intuition and how that's like a big part of the challenge getting back into recovery is to be able to make our own decisions and feel out what they actually feel like. And it seems like such a simple thing, but the internet can make everything confusing. That's for sure. So yeah, that's the roundup. It was like so wonderful to be able to hear again about all these interviews. And I've already decided which ones I want to go back to and listen to. And we have some more exciting guests coming up. Um, We have Karen Thompson, who's the head of CrossFit Health. She also wrote a book on sugar-free living. Molly, do you know what the title of it is? Yeah, it's like sugar-free living, eight weeks to something, something. I I do know it, but it's a very long title. So I don't know it off the top of my head. And she will say it's the longest title in the world. (laughs) That's why I asked you. (laughs) We also have uh, Joan Ifland coming up and she wrote the textbook on processed food addiction. We have David Wiss coming back to talk about fiber, fruit, and plant-forward food plans. We have Shun Foreman coming on to talk about the oppressive history of sugar and how race and sugar addiction intersect with each other. We have Tiffany Wright, um, who's also known as the Skinny Coach. Paul Early, who wrote Recovery Mind Training. I think that's going to be a really interesting episode for all of our listeners. And we have Siobhan Harris, from who has the podcast Unsweet and Sio, and she is going to talk to us about uh, the emotion code. So those are a few guests that we have coming up. And we also have something very exciting to announce, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Vera, do you want to talk about it or do you want us to take that? Are you talking about the uh, speakers that like next week? Oh, no, we're talking about the summit. Oh, oh, no. We can't forget that we're going to be uh, springing uh, Robert Lustig about his new book. Right. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And also we're going to get Chef AJ to come on and talk about plant-based or vegan lifestyle and food addiction. And we're going to get Bitten to come back to talk about that ever issue of intermittent fasting. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, you go ahead. You go ahead with the big news. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're really excited. In October, we are going to do the Food Junkies Food Addiction Summit. And we are going to, in the Facebook group, have one speaker every single day to talk about food addiction. We're going to start with some of the pioneers in the field. And mm. then we're going to go to some of the people who are working on the front line. We're going to talk to some of the people who are dietitians, nutritionists in the field. And then we're also going to be talking about some personal stories and some international experience. So I think it's going to be such a wonderful month and it'll gear everyone up for dirty Halloween. Exactly. (laughs) Right after sugar free September. And then we're going to just cinch it with Halloween, make it a Halloween. Halloween. (laughs) And then it will take us right into the trifecta of Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and all the things, right? So it'll be that momentum. It'll be that push before the holidays, right? That that terrible, terrible time. 
Yeah. So if there is other people that listeners are really think that we should get on the show, we'd love to hear feedback about it. I have a list of some of the people that we hope to get. We kind of talked about it. I think we'd love to get like Mark Bittman and Tim Noakes and Eric Westman. Mm. Molly and I would both love to get Russell Brand. If anybody knows him, then just (laughs) send him our way. Nora Volko, Dr. Dr. Mark Hyman, uh, Steve Finney, Nina Teichels. Is that how you yep. say your name? Yep. She, yeah, I'd love to have her. And then Zoe Harcom. And is there any others that you guys? Ashley can- Gerhardt. Yes. Oh, I guess. Yes. We really need to get her. Yeah. 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 So food addictions uh, inventory. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we are hoping to get, um, and maybe even Ocean Robbins to talk a little bit more about plant-based food plans as well. That's our wish list. Yep. Yeah. So. If any of you know any of them, send them our way. (laughs) (laughs) Also, some of the topics that I think that has come up that we'd like to cover in the future. What about what do you ladies think? Well, because there doesn't seem to be a right or wrong answer. It's one of those things where there's a pros and cons in both. We're going to go back to the intermittent fasting. So Bitten and I are going to duke that one out. And uh, actually, we're, we're pretty much on the same page on that one. And then uh, Lustig calls it the fake diet war, because I think that's what it is. No, that's that's the other issue. The whole plant, plant-based versus the keto. Sorry. Right, right. So yeah. And we mm-hmm. have uh, Dr. Evelyn's uh, Roy's episode is coming up and she actually talked to as well about the intermittent fasting, time restricted yeah. eating and how like fasting for five days isn't necessarily going to make you lose weight. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was really, really interesting for it's sure. Takeaway for those of you who are thinking it's a quick weight loss. Yeah. And, yeah. and that episode's coming out this next, com- right? This By the time this episode comes out, Evelyn's It'll already be will out. Yeah. yeah. It'll be out, which is good. I think we still need to, and, and certainly this is for the future, obviously, and, and that could mean in the next few months and this could mean next season, right? But I think we do need to dig into that psychological component. You know, once we folks are getting abstinent off the food, you know, there's a difference between abstinence and recovery. And we talk a lot about that, but mm-hmm. can we start talking about that recovery piece. And then can we talk about recovery versus treatment? Because they're not exactly the same thing. So I would love to cover those things. Also, I think we do need to uh, highlight more of the special considerations for men. I mean, we've had the episode with Tony and certainly Vinny has said he would come back and we want to talk to him about that. Jonathan touched on it a little bit with athletes specifically, but I mean, just because somebody is an athlete does not make them necessarily a man. So, so certainly I think that there are kind of these special little subgroups that we need to, to really speak to. Those were kind of my thoughts and recovery outside of 12 step. I think that's another big topic. I've been getting a lot of questions about if I don't do 12 step, are you still going to work with me? You know, kind of deal. So I think to cover some of those, what those communities look like outside of that and get some people in from those communities to speak to real lived experiences within them, I think would be great. Yeah, I I really like the idea that even if we were to talk to some individuals from other recovery programs like smart recovery, et cetera, yeah. right? Just to get a little feedback from them. So what works in their organization? And so, and do they have a lot of members that deal with food issues and how does that work for them? That would be really interesting, I think for sure. 
All right. Well, thank you, ladies, so much for joining me today. And to thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast and making it so successful so far. And share it, like it, leave us feedback so that other people can hear. Yeah, if I may. Yeah, if I may. Don't forget, we do have a Patreon account that you get the episodes early. So they typically are coming out on Mondays or Tuesdays and you get to pick your donation and there are different tiers and you get, you know, the first tier, you get the, the episodes early, the second tier, you get the episodes early and an option, you know, a, an opportunity to have a Q and a with the three of us. And the final tier is you get episodes early, you get the Q and a option, and then you may get to have a special question asked of a specific guest, whether you want that to be anonymous or not is going to be completely up to you, but just know, just go check out that Patreon page. Um, the money does not go to us. It go, it will go to help editing the episodes so that we can continue to have these come out every week so that you guys can enjoy them. Awesome. All right. Well, have a good day, right. ladies. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, everybody, for listening and supporting us. Thanks for joining us this week on Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Sugar Free for Life Support Group, I'm Sweet Enough. You can subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitchers. That way you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Dr. Tarman's book, Food Junkies, which is available on Amazon. If you have any additional questions, both Molly and Clarissa are food addiction professionals and work one-on-one with clients. You can find their websites and email addresses in the show notes. Be sure to tune in every Friday when our new episodes drop. As Vera loves to say, the power is ours.